नमस्कार एंड वेलकम टू डेली ग्लोबल इंसाइट्स एपिसोड 270 प्लीज लाइक दिस प्रोग्राम सो इट विल गो वायरल टुडे इज मंडे नवंबर द 1st एंड वी स्टार्ट विद ग्लोबल न्यूज़ इन ग्लोबल न्यूज़ जी20 मीटिंग कंक्लूड्स विद नो अकॉर्ड इन प्लेस फॉर रिड्यूसिंग ग्रीनहाउस गैस एमिशंस विद रशिया एंड चाइना डिफरिंग एक्शन टिल 2060 जी20 डस प्लेज टू स्टॉप फाइनेंसिंग न्यू unabated coal plants by the end of this year sridhar ji namaskar your thoughts on the green energy plan sir uh, namaskar good morning to everybody and good evening to those in india and uh, good afternoon and good night to wherever you are uh, watching this program from uh, my observations are that the absence of russia and china uh, is very notable and whether it is strategic or whether it was meant uh, don't know but clearly the climate agenda was a big setback uh in terms of what they wanted to accomplish uh, leading into this cops 26 uh, summit that's going to happen in glasgow uh with regard to this call i just don't believe that uh, these unabated uh, uh, band that they're contemplating before the end of the year or after the end of the after uh, past this year that they may not have any plans i know adb asia development bank has already implemented whether uh, any of these other nations are going to uh, follow through remains a big question we reported in dgi china importing more coal uh, actually from russia and the climate agenda now moves to glasgow for the cops 26 summit that will be chaired by the united kingdom prime minister boris johnson what are the expectations for this summit sridhar ji the expectations for this summit are very targeted and very focused to achieve uh this uh, negative uh, minus uh, 1.5 degree centigrade goal uh, in terms of the emissions and reduction of temperature by 2050 uh china and russia have already indicated that uh, you know they are not going to be able to meet the 20 2050 and they pushed it to 2060 uh they wanted to have uh, specific uh, emission measures to be in place by 2030 or uh, 2025 uh china and russia have uh, declined and they have say stated you know uh it is going to be 2030 rather than 2025 with regard to zero emissions uh, in terms of the greenhouse gases uh, even india has taken a position it cannot meet its goal uh and indian prime minister modi has become the champion for the developing nations by saying developed nations must do more because they have consumed energy and achieved a specific equilibrium in the economic state whereas the developing nations are evolving imposing all these conditions and additional capital costs only makes this economy go backward for a period of time until it catches up so the developing developed nations must do more while accepting that uh, these other nations will come along and meet the broader guidelines on the sidelines of the g20 meet United States Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Chinese Foreign Secretary Wang Yi met and appears that Mr Blinken has issued a stern warning to China that no unilateral action should be taken against Taiwan. Sridhar ji, this is the first time I'm seeing US draw the line and say you better don't do anything. Uh, I commend uh, hats off to United States for taking uh, a brave stand. but having said that you know let's wait and see what unfolds today because we have a series of uh you know missteps as far as united states announcements are concerned once one party makes an announcement somebody else will come in and make a different announcement 
But as it stands, Blinken's uh, statement to Wangi is a very, very laudable and very positive expression of where the United States stands as far as Taiwan is concerned. And Macron says, Australian PM lied over this submarine deal. UK and France continue their banter over fishing trawler issues. The AUKUS skirmishes continue. Sridharji, what is United Kingdom's gain in AUKUS for the nuclear submarine deal? Uh, the, the significance is that it is the UK uh, which will be supplying uh, some of the submarine material. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, it will be United States will be, uh, will be supplying, but UK will be the partner in this AUKUS deal as far as these, uh, you know, naval uh, maritime as well as uh, surveillance and other aspects is concerned closely coordinating with the logistics uh, of the British Navy. There is already a uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth uh, in a dock somewhere which is one of the largest kind of attack carriers. Uh, so I think that uh, this particular deal uh, got France on the wrong footing which is to say that you signed this, uh, you signed this accord with these nations when Australia had uh, signed a deal with us to acquire the submarines, which means that France would have been a logical partner. France, Australia, United States. Instead, it went the opposite way. So that is the reason why France is very upset. Japan's ruling LDP secures complete majority in the lower house election, giving victory for the Prime Minister of Japan, Mr. Kishida. This will strengthen his hands and uh, perhaps uh, help him make some bold moves, sir. It is. I think 293, if I remember the number, 293 to 193, there were some questions on exit polls whether he needs to be reliant on the uh, some smaller coalition parties. It looks like it's it's a narrower majority than what he had before. Uh, you know, this is one of the problems of the incumbency. But uh, much has been said about uh, the way COVID was handled by LDP or very badly handled by uh, LDP. And uh, so I think that he gets an opportunity. He gets... Uh, I would say, as you rightly point out, uh, yeah, Peppa, in terms of making sure that uh, the administrative issues are handled. I think the second issue is that uh, there is a considerable pressure on the middle class. The flow on benefits from the Abenomics has not flown into the middle class. Uh, this is the new, what he calls social capitalism. You remember we talked about uh, the phrase social capitalism? The first origins of social capitalism is actually uh, the word came from Japan. But actually, the architect of social capitalism, one has to say it is Prime Minister Modi. Now, actually, Biden is also trying to use the same concept in the United States. And COVID-19 outbreak worsens in northern China. Cities and ports are shut down. Sridharji, this is a bit of, you know, your, your own medicine coming back to you. Well, I think uh, they, they can only suppress information so much. Eventually, the information gets out. Uh, this news comes on the on the on the on the back of today uh, or yesterday. Uh, you know, a world crossing five million cases. Well, today is number one in the United States. It was number one uh, end of day in Asia and uh, almost end of day in uh, India. So, therefore, I think the the five million number is a very big, uh, very big kind of a milestone. And it is as the uh, I mean, it, it's. Uh, you know, it's a pandemic of gigantic proportions. And now China is saying that, you know, we talked about South and Southeast China. Now it has gone to Northern China. 
Uh, and they still don't tell you what the numbers are, but the in information trickling in is not very good in terms of their shutting down. I also told uh, from uh, some of my staff that, you know, Shanghai has had uh, some challenges as well, uh, you know, in terms of uh, quarantine procedures and uh, uptick in cases. And Biden scrambling to stop Iran's runaway nuclear program. So Israel is waiting and watching. And somehow the Democrats still want to de do a deal with Iran. I'm confused a little bit, Sridharji. Did Iran want this deal done to begin with when Biden came in? Or is U.S. unilaterally trying to make this deal again? Uh, I think uh, they are essentially, to give you a short answer, this is a United States-led program. They wanted to go every policy of uh, President Trump, they want to reverse. Uh, they put a cold water on uh, what you call as the Abrahamic Accords, uh, though they're trying to resume. On the contrary, they, resume, they, they restarted this uh, 2015 Iran nuclear deal, which was signed by uh, the indomitable pres former President Obama. So they resumed this without any uh, aspects. Is obviously to some extent triggered by internal uh, constituents who have historically been uh, supporting uh, the Democratic Party. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, groups uh, which are sympathetic to Iran, uh, which is also triggering action towards much more sympathetic view towards the Iranian policy. What you have now is a consequence that is emerging where Iran is becoming a big problem around the I region and Iran is becoming even bigger problem as far as its nuclear aspirations is, are concerned. Israeli airstrikes overnight near Damascus target Hezbollah and other Iranian-affiliated groups. Uh, the strikes hit munitions depot as per Syrian reports. Sridharji, so this is what I was mentioning, that Israel is again starting to act in the uh, region of Three Eyes. Um, a little bit more perspective here, Sridharji, from you on why now Lebanon has become another hotspot? Because we also saw that uh, Saudi Arabia and a few other countries have, uh, you know, uh, did, did something yesterday. I don't remember exactly what was the move. So there is some activity going on there vis-a-vis uh, -vis Lebanon. Uh, okay, first on the last point, which is namely, you remember that uh, uh, the Lebanese uh, foreign minister went and made uh, the most unwarranted statement in uh, Saudi, which is where he critiqued uh, Saudi's policies uh, as it related to Houthis. The next consequence is that uh, they, they send all these ambassadors out, uh, the, 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 the Lebanese ambassador from Saudi Arabia out, uh, immediately followed by UAE, Kuwait and Bahrain, uh, because they, they are very synchronized foreign policies between Saudi and those three nations, and especially as far as the Houthis are concerned, which is an Iranian surrogate operating out of Amen. So that is the first. With regard to your first question, which is to respond to give me a perspective, the perspective is that under Trump, they knew they're all going to be hit. But it doesn't matter whether it is Iranians, Taliban, whether it is Al-Qaeda, whether it is uh, uh, Al-Nusra, or whether it is the Al-Baghdadi group, they knew they're going to be hit. Whenever they move, they, they are visible in the radar, a drone will hit them. So they all kind of, uh, you know, hit in their burrows. Uh, now they recognize that there is a very loose administration and... Uh, there is a very sympathetic administration to Iran and some of the other causes because no action has been, no precipitous action has been initiated by United States, even when they were attacked in Iraq, when they were attacked in northern Syria, and when they were attacked in that, uh, uh, what you call uh, the uh, uh, Kikruk, uh, 
the Kipu. northern and yeah the northern and uh, the syrian border especially in the peshmerga region uh, when there was lots of attacks so that then spilled into the footprint of hezbollah and to some extent hamas in the lebanon region which is where there has been so much of uh, instability and if you recall even before biden came in there was a big munitions depot in lebanon taken out uh, and they was not sure whether it was done by the uh, israelis or whether it was done by someone uh, since then lebanon had plunged into a complete disaster so what you're now seeing now this is the context that so iran is raising its head around the whole region uh, and they somehow were able to persuade iraq to get the united states troop out and united states has been reducing the troops around the uh, uh, around the iraq region and they have been infiltrating and having a footprint around across all the three eyes so what does israel do israel takes preventive action it will take preventive action whenever it finds a target that it feels is a threat to the state of israel it responds so what you are seeing is just very similar to what happened in lebanon is happening uh, this is right around damascus they have taken out quite a few munition depots uh which where we will they may have found that some new stockpiles have come in and that all directed towards israel they took it out even before it could be used and now let us take a quick look at india news developed nations enjoyed the fruits of energy and they must reduce their emissions says prime minister modi at the cops 26 summit we talked about this so we'll move on to the next topic pm modi meets indonesian prime minister uh, yoko widodo and discusses trade and joint partnership sir indonesia could become a very significant partner for india if uh, they each know what the other person wants Uh, i think th there is a developing agenda around indonesia uh you know philippines v vietnam indonesia and thailand is still is still sitting on the in the in the uh, uh what you call in the fence uh, but if israel sorry if uh, indonesia if uh, philippines vietnam uh thailand and indonesia all come in line with india then the east asia strategy or look east strategy is more or less complete because india has a very strong relationship with singapore as far as malaysia is concerned it is up and down but along that other line they are very strong i think there's already some defense exercises that took place between indonesia uh and uh india in the indian navy went all the way up uh towards uh, from indian ocean into the intersection of indian ocean and pacific ocean around the indonesian islands so i think that this augurs very well uh not just on uh, not just on uh, you know trade and defense but indonesia is also host to rare earths especially nickel and india and united kingdom to join hands to launch global grid project india bats for sustainable development in g20 and finds resonance a very uh, very positive uh, way to put this thing across sridhar ji if india can lead uh, the world in sustainable development that would be a true feather in cap for uh, mr modi uh, indeed uh, i think if uh, if if i if i may i will there's uh, there are two there are two significant developments one with italy which we'll touch shortly as yeah. far as this uk is concerned uh, the solar alliance is uh, a pretty good effort um and united kingdom is slowly beginning to accept you remember that there was some power disruptions and power supplies uh in uk which hit and we covered this because they found some of the wind energy supplies dwindled which caused 
uh, you know, distribution issues for United Kingdom. So United Kingdom is now looking at more and more around the solar and trying to expand its footprint, both in terms of uh, access, know-how, as well as, uh, you know, importing or exporting and putting capital into this area. And it, I mean, India is a leading solar power in the world. This particular partnership and establishing the grids could be very, very useful between the two countries. India and Italy resolved to strengthen partnership in the clean energy transition, green hydrogen and natural gas identified as two possible areas. Uh, all, all truly uh, laudable objectives. Uh, I think the most important thing about these things is when you transition to a new alternate green energy, what kind of um, cost it comes down to? You know, at the end of the day, it is coal-based power costs so much and uh, or, or coal-based uh, or, or petrol-based, uh, uh, you know, car, uh, you know, costs so much per gallon. What is it if you use something else? Sridharji, how do you see India's initiatives in hydrogen? That is a very, very good one if, if India can pull it off. Well, I think uh, the, the Italian partnership envisages establishing what they call as this uh, uh, clean energy corridors of distribution, uh, not just purely uh, generation of uh, either hydrogen or uh, you know production of natural gases, but establishing corridors to achieve two things that you are alluding to. One is um, storage and second is distribution. And then obviously the final connectivity into uh, into into your homes. Um, the the issue or the challenge that India has to overcome, which it has done in the solar, because uh, is around creating two essential elements. One is this whole concept of battery storage, which is you know three you know which is uh, industrial uh, you know uh, mobile mobile or uh, you know small. Uh, storage and then of course uh, industrial park level or you know even community level kind of storage capabilities if they can establish um, and i think they are on the way they can establish also to store power from different sources because the uh, that's the other problem it's not it cannot tightly couple uh, solar alone for solar distribution and wind for wind distribution wind power distribution uh, you know hydrogen gases and so so on and so forth natural gas you have to come up with a, an integrated kind of an architecture. I think India is developing. Uh, given the size of India, I think both countries like, um, you know, Israel, Germany, uh, UK, Italy, France, they are all interested in embarking in partnership because you get access to, you know, billion people using this uh, in their in, at their homes. And that's something somehow can they all can benefit because EU is completely behind, um, you know, the uh, the clean energy efforts. Indian Navy receives first P-15B stealth destroyer from MDL Mumbai. I think it is Mazargon Docks Limited, a testament to indigenous development. This has been in the pipeline, in the works for a few years now. Glad to see something come out of it, Sridharji. Well, I think uh, the objective of pointing out is that, you know, you have uh, indigenously developed technology uh, coming uh, and they are augmenting and augmenting and augmenting, not just on the uh, on the space, not just on the air and not just on the surface, uh, but they are very much well into the naval side as well. They have been really, really augmenting uh, the capabilities of both indigenous manufacturing and indigenous access 
to both supplies, maintenance, and so on. It is uh, so the, they are deployable. So I think it is now uh, coming into mainstream uh, usage by the Navy and augurs well. Remember, India has also been acquiring both surveillance planes, drones, uh, and attack capabilities that they can initiate uh, on the back of uh, our uh, India's naval power. And a report by the State Bank of India states that informal economy has contracted to 15%, one five, of the GDP from about 52% three years ago through digitization, GST, and other programs in a significant boost to the government uh, government's coffers. See, this, this is impressive because I have seen this in action. Many people now say that the DBT works very well. They get an SMS message saying that the money has been transferred and credited in their account. Uh, and, and, and this makes things a lot more smoother. People can plan expenses uh, all the way around. It is it's a stunning success for the Modi government, sir. Well, I think uh, they believed and they bet on uh, the digital transformation and that what they call as the direct connectivity. So breaking the barriers between the provider and the receiver. Most of the losses and pilferage account occurred in between rather than the money being supplied versus the money to be received being received. Uh, I think this they are extending it into the tax system, you know, the GST after all its uh, hiccups will eventually, you know, normalize at some point in time or if it is already not normalized. I think the next they are looking at the tax collection system, the tax income tax uh, system, then you have the direct benefit transfers and direct benefit uh, programs. Uh, when you say direct benefit transfers, these are basically people who are underprivileged getting money. But I think they are extending these to various monetary assistance types of programs we touched on it there's more than 400 and 400 million people already enrolled uh, in these programs this e-portal which is for registration of all informal labors laborers uh, you know who are not registered in any economic system registering them i think it's already crossed if i uh, the numbers that i have is about five crores uh, if it has crossed that number, then, uh, you know, these are augering very well for India to be a transformative, a fully participating economy. One of the issues about India not being a great uh, GDP nation is the participation rates are very low and the informal economy has also hindered its progress. And 10 cases of Zika virus detected in United uh, in Uttar Pradesh as India vaccinates 1.06 billion doses, 734 million single doses and 330 million fully vaccinated. India's active COVID cases have now dropped to 158,817. Very impressive number, sir. But what is this about the Zika virus? Well, I think that <coughs> there is, I still believe that there is, you know, occasional spot in, uh, you know, even the state of Karnataka around, I, I heard that it's around Gulbarga that they detected some cases uh, in Kerala. There were some cases in UP, MP, they have detected some cases. Uh, look, I think that now since there is a very active vigilance relative to what it was prior, there's active monitoring and uh, testing that kind of goes on, you know, either self or through the medical programs, you're beginning to see some of these cases. There should not be any surprise that, uh, you know, occasionally if this issue flares up, you know, given the magnitude of testing that is taking place. Not that, uh, you know, these cases may not have uh, been 
may have been absent prior, except that the testing is bringing forth all this to the forefront. And Modi commits to 5 billion vaccines in 2022 from India and helps to support the world. Sridharji, again, this vaccine diplomacy now beginning to take off as US, uh, as India has uh, got control of its uh, vaccine development. I hope that this will uh, at least help the world come out of this COVID pandemic. It has gone on for far too long. We are now coming up uh, to two years. Yes, sir. I think uh, the goal that as on the back of this 5 billion vaccines, which was announced, which we covered yesterday, uh, was to vaccinate the world 70% to vaccinate 70% by mid-2022. Uh, the only way you can do that is when you have adequate vaccine supplies. Remember, for some reason, Sinopharm, Sinovax, Sputnik, all disappeared. It's now COVID, Moderna, and indigenously manufactured vaccines, be it Taiwan, be it Vietnam, be it Japan, be it... Uh, I think Sanyo is in it in Japan and beat Israel. And is obviously one of the biggest suppliers is going to be India. I think you also uh, mentioned, I think you, you mentioned, you meant Covaxin, but you said COVID, but I think uh, Covishield and, and Covaxin are the two. Covishield and Covaxin. Yeah, they are the big numbers. I think they are ramping those numbers up in a big time. And in United States news, progressive groups within the Democratic Party see Biden starting point for the 1.75 billion framework to end the stalemate. Sridharji, finally, this climb down from by the progressives is starting to happen. And I think whatever the progressives have tried in the last six months is going to be reflected in the uh, governorship of New Jersey, I think, and uh, Virginia. So we have to wait and see how that plays out. But it's essentially a referendum on these extreme politics uh, uh, pursued by the progressives, isn't it? Indeed. I think that the progressive have been uh, at the forefront of making sure that the Biden's popularity continues to dip and dip dramatically. I think at one poll was 39%. One poll is 42%. Uh, I think CN uh, NBC poll is today predicting it to be 42%, the number based on the, not today's, uh, today it is reporting, but based on the, uh, the most recent data. I think there are four issues which are at the forefront. Oh, by the way, another number that we will cover tomorrow is apparently about close to 70% of the people think that, the, I mean, across the spectrum, think that their United States is going the wrong way uh, in terms of the policies and uh, general economic uh, outlook and the policies that affect the common people. So the point that you're making is very valid. This budget stuff has gone on. The infrastructure, 540 or 560 billion, which they always add up to 1 trillion, is held up because he's held to ransom because of this three and a half uh, trillion dollars budget with all kinds of uh, what you call um, uh, you, you know expanding the uh, expanding the universe of uh, United States or expanding the benefits of the uh, universe. So again, I think we should get a resolution this week. But Bernie Sanders and others are still giving some hiccups to Biden that they won't pass it. My view is that they you know some progress will be achieved this week. U.S. small businesses fear blowback of Biden's global minimum tax on corporations and flowing downstream into the ecosystem. What is the fear that they have, Sridharji? Well, what happens is that when you have uh, this, when you increase tax that they allocated because you have, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. 
one when you increase taxes that means the amount available for uh, you know giving back as dividend to investors um, is reduced unless their capital allocation towards expansion of new programs uh, is compromised to accommodate dividend and uh, shareholder stakes so what the small business is saying who is the who is the loser we are not going to see more business coming from the corporations they are going to shrink uh in terms of the allocation of uh, available capital for uh, more capital expansion and more augmented support to the small scale businesses so he's going to is going to see it so this is the outcome of this minimum tax 10000 afghans brought out of their country during the united states airlift have been processed released and resettled into the united states over the past 2 months with some 53000 still at military bases getting ready to be discharged questions remain over vetting sridhar ji we have talked about this in the past that some unknown elements have come in in fact some even called an uber and melted into the <laughs> countryside we it's it's really bizarre how somebody can escape the entire quarantine call up an uber and then get in and run away sridhar ji do we have any idea how many such instances happened uh i think that um, well for how it happens i think we live in a very collaborative and very virally collaborative and uh, um connected world so you know um, so that helps uh, people to they know exactly what they're doing otherwise you won't be calling a uber uh do we know how many uh, how many such escapes i i think it's probably less than 100 is the number that is mentioned you know few of them uh, you know hiring cars and moving away it may be even less than 50 but these numbers are always a little sketchy but the number is not 5 the number is not 10 but it's certainly more so i think any number which is around 50 or 100 seems fairly plausible given the rate at which this happened you know some people even hired a bus uh, we showed that uh, uh, video if I, if you recall in uh, texas yes, yes. Uh, so therefore i think that these are things that are happening what is causing concern is the one that we again reported in dgi two sessions ago that in virginia there we should the pentagon has issued an alert within 6 months there is an imminent possibility of a threat from isis isis footprint within uh united states you know we have had al qaeda now isis footprint within united states there is also i'm told that iranian uh, sleeper cells fairly active so this is what happens when you open the flood gates and when you bring in people for a political agenda rather than a social and human agenda biden scratches head when asked to comment about 450000 to illegal immigrants per family this is the most abominable uh, uh, initiative that this administration has put out it is like giving a free check and also telling people by the way we are going to give you a half a million dollars just to come into united states this you know boggles the mind sridhar ji it's astonishing that this is happening uh, you know when we are living 450000 dollars of a precious tax just because trump said uh you know your son is on the other side but whether he is your son or whether he is not your son uh, and i think uh, Ms., you know you have covered the uh, ilhan omar story very well you know you need more vetting uh, you stay on the other side until such time you come back for which what you do you pay a reparation fee of 450000 dollars does it mean i mean it's just is ridiculous then why do you have your passport in immigration and uh, naturalization and border controls you don't need to have anything uh immigration and naturalization service ins or customs and border uh, border patrol you don't need any of these things you just allow everybody and anybody you don't need airports you can run freely in and out and do what you want 
Uh, and again, uh, this is all, uh, you know, this new socialistic policy that Biden and his constituents are trying to push uh, to the detriment of economic and security agenda of the United States. And Biden says pushing OPEC countries to push oil supplies not inconsistent with climate goals. So um, is Biden saying to push, uh, cut the uh, production or saying to increase the production? I'm not clear. Right. Uh, uh, what he's saying is on one side, you came in and you said that uh, pipelines are cut, uh, no new expansion, uh, current uh, leases, uh, you know, are not allowed to uh, drill and um, operationalize those leases for uh, more extraction of more oil. You are saying this, the existing pipelines, which are almost near completion, you stop that. And you're saying that is to make sure that the climate accord is met. You are do, while doing so, you are telling uh, the overseas guys, Saudis and so on, you know, you OPEC countries, you increase the oil supply. How does it kind of uh, rationalize when you can produce, when you had the capacity to be a net positive and be an exporter and generating revenues, you kind of cut your arm and you are justifying that uh, by asking other countries to do more. Uh, it doesn't either cut uh, the climate accord or it doesn't cut the strategic agenda of United States. This is what they're saying, which is true. And 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 the the statement of Sarah Palin when she was running alongside uh, John McCain for the uh, presidency of uh, United States still is etched in my mind, sir. Drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. Yes, because otherwise we are blowing dollars apart. <laughs> while we guzzle gas, uh, you know, while we use gas guzzlers to guzzle away, if there are no gas guzzlers, the auto industry in Detroit is dead. If the auto industry in Detroit is dead, there's no unions. If there's no unions, there's no Democratic Party. So it is like a vicious ecosystem that uh, pervades. And all these fellows have been very successful in making sure United States has one of the worst public transport systems that one can ever think of. In many places, there's no trains. You, you have to only drive, drive, drive all the way. That means only drill, drill, drill. Supply chain issues could last as long as the pandemic, says Transportation Secretary Buttigieg. Michigan Gretchen, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I think it's Margaret Gretchen, Michigan's governor, vetoes voter ID and election reform bills, Would says would hurt minority voters. Sridharji, Michigan is one of those things that is right in the crosshairs where a lot of dubious results had come out. In fact, in one county, it was proven that they had their things wrong. And yet, Democratic Party completely, completely papers it over and they still claim that each county to each county, their own methods of you know, uh, conducting elections. This is, this is ridiculous. Sir. They have to come get behind one consistent method of electing the president. You do whatever you want for your county position. Nobody cares. But for the president of the United States, it has to be same way, whether you are in Alaska or in uh, uh, Atlanta. We are a dysfunctional democracy. Um, and it is the dysfunctionality is, is dramatically increasing in the United States. You do not need voter ID <clears throat> because if you as for voter ID, you may deny a person to vote. Legal, illegal, doesn't matter. You don't need four last four digits of a social security number because they got they have a democratic judge, so they got that. So in other words, there is no ID validation. Whether he can vote three times, four times, because there's no way you can 
you know, uh, validate or invalidate it. Second, any reforms around this timing, absentee ballots, all that is not acceptable. So it is a jamboree. It's a furphy. It's a free. It's a it's a free meal that anybody can come in and you can wheel them in as you see appropriate, even as you are counting the votes. This is the nonsense that some of the democratic states states have uh, have embarked on. The reason they have targeted the borderline states or what we call as the uh, you know the states that are up for the grabs, which are the states. Michigan is right there along with Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Texas and Florida and Carolinas and Arizona. The seven or ten states that made because the borderline states, which makes the difference between who becomes and who doesn't become the president of the country. And in uh, 2016, uh, less than 100,000 votes. Uh, the difference was made up in Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin. If you go and attack the system there, you're done. It is, uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and uh, rest is history. Uh, now they are trying to introduce reforms. The reforms are being vetoed and blocked by the governor. This is the problem of what we have, uh, you know, this a triangulated structure of executive branch, legislative branch, as well as the judicial branch. Now, whatever the legislative branch, which is supposed to be enacting laws, has been vetoed by the executive branch, and that is permitted within the state constitution. And White House spokesperson Jen Psaki tests positive for COVID-19. I hope she has a speedy recovery. Let's take a look at market, sir. Stock futures rise as investors await Fed meeting and jobs report. Chinese economy showing signs of stagflation. I will stop there. So stagflation is a combination of stagnation and inflation, isn't it? And, and with with the, the coal problem, I'm sorry, sir, with the coal problem, um, is China still having like a two-day work week? I think they are still having a two to three-day work week. The data is very sketchy. I think they are impacted by supply chains. That's number one. They're impacted by disruption in power supply. So this manufacturing, they're disrupted by the COVID impact of people not coming to work that is not reported. They are disrupted by the Xi Jinping policies of disrupting every, every industry by virtue of these policies that he has brought in. China has lost in less than three to four months more than $1 trillion worth of market cap of their companies. So he's constantly niggling uh, at the industry. So they don't know what the up and down is. And he's also trying to put curbs on credit expansion within the banking system by virtue of these new laws that he's enacting. So it's not just one factor. It's a combination of factors that is hurting them very badly. And Saudi Aramco posts a 160% rise in profits in the third quarter. Japan, Singapore, Korea all make positive strides. Sridharji, uh, uh, wrap up for uh, what is going to be the next uh, three months for the markets worldwide. And then we can call this program a done deal. Uh, well, I think that at the end of the year, as I predicted, most of the, uh, the Asian economies are rebounding as well, as, as you can see. Um, India and China, uh, you know, will it, are, are set for a higher growth. Uh, China is around 6.5%. India is around 10%. Uh, you know, inflation may be a number, but stagflation within the context of China means something completely different uh, with the $3 trillion reserve that they have. 
United States, uh, you know, is showing some trembles for uh, what the full year will look like. But having said that, United States markets, because of the low interest rates, the markets will um, will hold sway, and it's already way way up in terms of uh, relative performance for the year to date. So we will do fairly well. So I think the uh, the markets, as we see for 2021, the economy, as we see for 2021, uh, around the world augurs well as we close out 2021. 2022, you know, beyond the second quarter, because we'll continue to see the monetary and fiscal policy impact flowing into the first and second quarter of 2022. What happens after the second quarter of 2022 when the inflation really kind of kicks in and when the interest rate begins to climb in the central, when the central banks around the world rise the interest rates, that's when we'll begin to see some of the headwinds. United States is already pulling back on the tapering of uh, its bond purchase program. So there's been less liquidity coming into the system. But I see 2022 second half to be the headwinds. And we also, the other uncertain factor is, is the COVID finally managed and is the resumption of the economy is 100% rather than 70 or 75% as we are beginning to see. Those are the things that will determine the second half of 2022. I think until the first half of 2022, we are in decent shape. Thank you very much, uh, Sridhar Ji. And thanks for joining us, folks. We'll be back again tomorrow, bright and early. And Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening. And uh, if you're going to sleep, good night. <laughs>